ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary. It's time for the podcaster who hopefully I'll have you feeling like you're floating in a floating pram. Uh, and all, you know, all everything that keeps you up at night will be as forgotten as a floating pram was just, you know, left behind. Uh, something I can't leave behind, patrons, uh, because I want to, you know, uh, I want to, you know, uh, soothe you off into dreamland. Thanks for supporting the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake. Whether it's, uh, you know, thoughts you're thinking about, uh, feelings, uh, emotions, uh, physical sensations... Uh, changes in schedule or weather or situations, work, uh, third, first, second, third, shift, uh, whatever whatever it is. It could be anything. Whatever's keeping me awake, though, I'm here to help. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to create a safe place here, a nice uh, r- r- ruminous. I don't think that, like, a... Uh, that's definitely the wrong word. Uh, maybe we'll go back to that room room word. And I'm not talking about R-O-O-M. But, I, you know, this safe place is both cozy and roomy. I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones. Oh, so creaky are my dulcet tones. Or, no, I guess that's not true. My tones are both dulcet and creaky. I guess it could be a question on one of those tests uh, where they try to test your logic. Uh, in my quick case, it's say I'd score higher if they were testing my illogic. It, that could be a, like it. That would be like a '90s kind of hip hop test. My logic. That would be a, like just one line in a in a in a, in a song. Uh, it can't be standardized, you know. That but, so. Was they saying, oh, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders. There you go. That was a miniature one. Superfluous tangents. I'm going to go off topic. I'm going to use filler words. My metaphors will be mild uh, at best. Uh, most of the time, they'll probably be, be they'll probably be incomplete, like my sentences. Uh, but I'm here to keep you company and take your mind off of stuff as you fall asleep. So if you're new... Uh, let me give you a couple pieces of information because I know this is this podcast is a, is a bit different, uh, and uh, if you're new to it, you you might be in a situation where hey, you're trying to fall asleep, you're looking for help. That's what I'm here for. Uh, but this podcast doesn't work for everybody, but it almost works for no one on their first try. That's a pretty universal reaction uh, for regular listeners, but we have retained hundreds of thousands of people like, uh, that listen, um, almost on a nightly basis. So I will say, give it a few tries, but here's this things that can help. One, we kind of listen in a loose, unfocused way at first, because this podcast doesn't really follow normal structure or normal expectations. And also just acknowledge, yeah, this is, like is a little bit different. I'm not sure how to feel about it. Uh, I'm a little bit skeptical. 
this safe place has room for your skepticism and doubt, uh, so that's totally fine. Or that, hey, this podcast might, might, might not be for me. I totally want that uh, uh, possibility to exist, but just because it does, right? And all I really want to do is help you if I can. So kind of just look at it like a fuzzy cloud. That's one thing. Second thing uh, that can kind of defy expectations is uh, the structure of the show, which is just a reality of uh, the structure of a sleep podcast uh, that I want to keep free for everybody. So the show starts off with a few minutes of business. Then there's an intro which we're doing now. The intros are about 12 to 18 minutes. Uh, then I'll talk about the intro a little bit more in a second. Then there's some business. Then there'll be a story, which tonight will be kind of me trying to make a, like a recap of a Mandalorian episode six or chapter six, if you will. But you, you, if you watch that episode, you'd say, Scoots, it didn't sound like a, the episode that I, I say, well, that's good. I pointed out some new things uh, and some stuff you could possibly observe on your fourth or fifth try and if you've never seen mandalorian don't worry uh, i mean it could spoil it but uh, uh you know you probably will forget or sleep through it so it's, it's made to be made to be sleepy and not engaging and then the show ends with some thank yous so that's the structure show the intro though can throw new listeners off uh, totally understandably because it's 12 to 18 to 20 to 19 to 13 to 14 or 12 or so minutes long so instead of me saying this is what we're going to talk about tonight this is what the show is and this is what we're going to talk about and then let's do it uh, that would be kind of an efficient in- intro name of the show who am i who, what, where, when, why, how, I would never make, you know, that would be like an hour show for me. Uh, so part of it is just in my nature, but most of it is that the idea of the intro evolved over the history of this podcast uh, because I learned that listeners need some time to wind down. You can't just put someone to sleep. In my experience for this show, this isn't true for everybody. And that people need a little bit of time, whether it's as they're getting ready for bed listening and, uh, you know, brushing their teeth or, you know, journaling or drawing or stretching, whatever it is, or just chilling. Or if you're in bed, kind of starting to unwind, uh, the intro gives you time for that. And it's different every single time, uh, but it's also similar every time because I tend to... uh, you know, because well, I want to welcome the new listeners and re-welcome the regular listeners. And just it just helps you unwind. And it kind of keeps me connected to the listeners. Uh, but you can skip ahead. I would try the podcast out a few times first. Uh, but some listeners skip ahead 20 minutes and they start listening there. Uh, so kind of see how it goes. So that's the structure of the show. This is also, it, it can be different is that this a podcast kind of, like I said at the beginning, you don't really need to listen to this show. So some people listen and uh, like, they don't listen to anything I say, they lower me to a mumble or they have me under a pillow or they just don't pay attention. They're hearing my words. That's how kind of sometimes I consume, uh, particularly play by play is I, like sports, like I used to listen to that for comfort. Um, actually, during the day when I was at different jobs or driving, and I never was paying attention. It's just that something about that comforted me. So for some people, that's how they listen. Other people listen to the show, 
in a loose way, and some people listen. So, so you, you don't need to listen. You can kind of see what your relationship with the show is. And in the end, it'll probably evolve and change. Uh, but if you do need to listen, I'm here to the very end, which kind of goes into the next point is this is a podcast uh, that doesn't really put you to sleep. There's no pressure from me for you to fall asleep. I'm here to keep you company as you drift off. Uh, and that's why the shows are an hour to give you plenty of time. But if you can't sleep or you woke up in the middle of the night, uh, as I have uh, this week <laughs> multiple times, uh, you know, I'm here to keep you company there, too. So I'm here to the end, whether you're listening or you're asleep, I'm here for you. Uh, so those, that's the structure of the show. That's the kind of things. I mean, that's like uh, I was talking about that room word, rumination. And uh, that's a nice, like, it, it, it's not, a, I guess, like, it's a light version of, like, you say, well, I'm ruminating. And you say, what, on the next great, uh, you know, philosophical uh, thing, Cheaty? And I'd say, no, this is Scoots. I was just ruminating about uh, my room temperature last night. That's what I was literally doing. And then I don't know if you can go from a rumination to a debate, uh, but I did. I said, well, should I get out of bed? Should I do something? Should I, okay, okay, maybe I'll put my pillow over my head and that'll fix it. So this podcast is there if you ruminate or you don't or you debate or whatever it is uh, to kind of get in the way of that process and to give you an alternative to listen to, uh, which is mostly me kind of rambling and going off topic and not getting to the point. Uh, because I'm your boar bud. That's my job is to be here uh, for you because I've been there uh, and I know how it feels. And in the end, I really, truly do believe you deserve a good night's sleep, that uh, you deserve a safe place where you can let the day slide away and you could drift off into sleep and you could be rested and, and able to engage in your life a little bit more. And that eventually you get a good night's sleep uh, majority of the time. That's what I shoot for, just a majority of the time. Uh, not all the time. Thanks, uh, sand person that, uh, you know, comes to me on an occasional basis. Uh, but that, uh, you know, you can get enough rest that you could flourish, that you could really, uh, you know, uh, start to grow and flower. So I'm here to help, and this is the only way I can help is just by telling these. Uh, I can't, there's not much else I really can do other than to be here to tell you a story and keep you company. I'm not an expert in sleep or the, you know, there's, there's like, uh, you know, like I'm not an expert in anything else, really. And this is really the only way I can help. And the reason I do it is because I just know how it feels uh, in that rumination zone. Luckily, there's no highways to the rumination zone, because you'd say, I mean, it's interesting that rumination, I don't even know if that's a word, but, uh, and rumination do, like, are closely related. Do they rhyme? Rumination and my rumination. I guess now we're getting back into some 90s hip-hop with the standardized test uh, uh, given by the nation. I guess it would be nation... Rumination, rumination. Uh, but so we, I mean, we could work on it. You know, I'll, I'll see, you know, I'll try to get, get a hold of, uh, I don't know who I'd be best to lie. I mean, maybe I just better stick to, yeah, what I'm good at, which is keeping you company 
being a goofball, going off topic, and uh, uh, yeah, using filler words. Boom, you just saw that. Uh, so I'm glad you're here. I really appreciate your time and you coming by, checking the show out, uh, or coming back night after night. I work very hard. I yearn and I strive. I really want to help you fall asleep. And here's a couple of ways we're able to keep this podcast free for everybody. All right, everybody. We're back with our Mandalorian coverage. Chapter six, The Prisoner. And it's just starting up with the Lucasfilm Limited thing. Uh, preview. Let me see the preview coverage. So let me pause it here. Uh, uh, come with me. Lots of... Uh, 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 squirt guns, the kid, yes. Uh, okay, then the episode opens. And this episode is a little bit different, and, and it shows the potential of a kind of serial and uh, episodic uh, series. Uh, and I, I don't know, I particularly enjoyed this. I watched it a lot. And maybe it was the casting, maybe it was just because it was so much different than all the other episodes, uh, and it was uh, contained. But we see the opening, we hear the flute-type sounds, and we see the Razor Crest landing in a hangar. There's drums. I uh, also like how it kind of already, st- it's, it's the beginning of the episode, but it kind of already started. And Mando's walking around to some sort of uh, hangar, some sort of base, uh, looking around. There's other people there, other beings. So some of them stare at him. Uh, everybody seems to be working. Uh, and a couple of people, and then some dude says, Mando, that you? Uh, he goes under that bucket. Uh, Ran is that guy's name. He goes, I didn't think I'd ever see you again. This guy looks like he probably plays slide guitar on the weekends or just sits around uh, uh, drinking cans of stuff and smoking, but... uh He's like, oh, geez, stuff with the guild is not working out, huh? And Mando says, don't worry about it. Uh, and Rand says, well, you know the policy. No questions asked around here, old buddy. Uh, and then, let's see, no questions. What's the job, Mando says. Uh, oh, he says, you're welcome back anytime. What's the job? The guy says, okay, well, we got uh, one of our buddies is uh, got busted, got nabbed. And we got a crew to spring him. It's five person per person job. I got four. And then he says, "All you need is a ride, though." And you bought, brought it. Uh, it's already been brought, in, as uh, someone once said. And he goes, "What about me, man? I got Beskar armor." He goes, "You only care about my ship. Uh, it wasn't part of the deal." And he goes, "Well, that's the only reason I let you in here was your ship." Uh, and he goes, come on, man, don't you know anything about gratitude? Aren't you grateful to me? Uh, it's funny though. I guess it's a little bit of, uh, exposition about the ship through the episode. Uh, you could tell they know each other pretty well because it gives Mando a hard time. Then we meet Mayfeld played by Bill Burr. It looks like a little bit like somebody out of a G.I. Joe comic. Uh, he's got some swagger. They talk about Mando's past a uh, long time ago. Remember what you once said one time, Mando? Man, man, like, uh, maybe not Mando's greatest uh, moments. They had some crazy days, him and Ran. He says, yeah, that was a long time ago. And he goes, well, I don't leave the house, Ran says. So, so uh, Mayfield's going to be the point man on this job. 
And if he says that it's coming from me, and kind of like a little alpha off here, Mayfeld says, you you know, but Mayfeld's not really alpha. So he says, you know, oh, are you going to listen to me or not? Uh, the guy says, well, things changed around. He goes, Mayfeld, he goes, he's really good. Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, he used to work in the Empire. Amanda goes, well, that's not saying much. Uh, he goes, well, I wasn't a stormtrooper. I don't know if this is the first time we learn about that the ship is called the Razor Crest or not. Uh, I know I put down slot machine, but uh, Mayfeld's not impressed with the Razor Crest. Oh, can't tell by slot machine, he says. Uh, then we meet Berg, uh, who is uh, played by Clancy Brown. Uh, though it takes a lot of looking. Berg's interesting. He's the muscle. Uh, goes, oh, so this is a Mandalorian. Not impressed. Uh, thought he'd be bigger. Uh, then we meet a droid named Zero. Now, we've seen droids this, like, uh, type on uh, Navarro. And the Mandalorian says, what, droids? And he says, There's, I thought you said you had four. And then it says, like, his, one of his axes. Also, the droid is a uh, 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 voice by someone famous uh, from the It crowd. Uh, so his ex or something, she says, hello, Mando. Shihan, uh, I think, is, uh, she goes, I missed you. And she goes, this is shiny. You wear it well. Talking about his Beskar. Uh, Shihan is uh, a little heartbroken. Uh, you know, Mando, from Mando. And they say, okay, we don't got much time. We got to get to work here. We get going. Oh, she, somebody also says, learn from the best. Uh, uh, also, the um, Berg skulls on Mando Tiny. Then the, it opens. Then we see the title card, and it says, the prisoner. Uh, then we have Zero on the comms doing a check. Uh, Hyperdrive, uh, landing gear, uh, gets, he sees Grief Cargus uh, trying to get a message through, uh, deliver the quarry, and goes, oh, well, that's interesting. Then they go over the plan, fortified transport, uh, limited window, on and off, uh, New Republic, Max, tram, Transport, Ma- Amanda goes, oh boy, no way. That thing's, uh, he goes, yeah, this is uh, serious business. Uh, they go, job is a job, man. Don't mess it up. Uh, it'll be fine, Mando. Plus, it's a droid run ship. Uh, then Zero says, you know, your ship's really not that nice. It's kind of a mess. Uh, but at least it goes off the grid and can jam codes. Uh, it's only 67.3% efficient. Uh, oh, Rand says, yeah, it's an off-the-grid ship. It doesn't exist. And it can jam the code. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, tricky flying. Mando goes, I don't know if I could pull that off. They go, oh, yeah, that's why Zero's flying your ship. Uh, he's quicker and smarter. He's the best. Uh, Mando, of course, doesn't trust droids. Uh, and he's, I think he says, I don't trust anybody. And Rand says, just like the good old days, don't worry. 
Yeah, then let's see. Was, uh, just like the good old days. He's the best. Uh, don't worry, Mando. Oh, Mando says, I don't trust a droid. Rand says, I don't trust anybody. Maybe. I don't know. They get on the ship. They depart. Uh, uh, gate goes up. Uh, uh, then uh, Mando and uh, Zero, I think, are in the... Um, Rand kind of does it like, hey, see you, buddy. Yeah, thingamajig. They head into hyperspace eventually. So, so we see that it's kind of like a space, not a, what do they call that? A spaceport or something or a satellite. You know, we get a view of uh, Berg pacing, Mayfeld and his Shihan uh, chilling. Everybody getting each other's nerves. Uh, is Mando watching Zeros fly the ship? He says, you could go below, man. I'm going to go into uh, hyperspace. I got it from here. Uh, let's see. Oh, then down below, Berg opens Mando's safe and laughs. Uh, Mando appears down there and closes the door. He says, "That's not your uh, enough for you to be going through, man." Oh, actually, he just jumped down. He didn't appear down there. Uses his remote control to close it. Berg doesn't like that. Like, we get it. It's your personal space. Then they start kind of uh, messing around. Uh, Why do we even need this dude? I think Berg says that. They go, yeah, don't worry. We'll get it done. Uh, They say, oh, you're so great. They're, like, talking about Mando and his presence. Uh, Oh, they're all laughing at him right now. And then uh, talking about him like he's not there. Gee, see, Shihan, is he good? She goes, well, what about Elzak 3? Mando goes, uh, you know, I did what I had to do. She goes, you liked it, though. She goes, I know who you really are. And he, he, they go, well, what about the helmet? Uh, so and then they try to get him to take uh, This is the way. And they go, well, we want to see your face. We don't necessarily trust you. And so then we have a little dance-off. Uh, and then uh, Oso gets revealed in Oso's hiding spot. Uh, uh, they go, what is this, a pet or something? Man, he goes, yeah, something like that. It's a pet. Uh, he goes, you're really odd, man. Uh, also, Mayfeld has Berg do his work for him. Uh, and they go, Jesus, he goes, what's this code of yours? Certainly is interesting. Uh, Mayfeld doesn't says he doesn't have patience uh, for a pet. Uh, Jeez, I can't believe you'd have a ba- a pet. Uh, maybe that code of yours has made you soft. Oh, she says that. Uh, yeah, I don't have the temperament for pets. Mayfeld says. Uh, but then he kind of he picks up Baby Oso. Because maybe I'll try again. Mando tries some balance. Uh, not being, because, uh, uh, you know, not being overprotective, uh, so they don't know how much he values Oso. Uh, but then they arrive, they're dropping out of hyperspace, uh, commencing final approach. They got to do some wild moves in the ship, which seems to have some gravity, because uh, everybody gets tossed around. Oso gets put away. And they land on the ship, uh, and they say, okay, whoa, zero minutes, commence extraction. 
Like, we didn't even get a proper countdown. And they go, geez, are we ready? He goes, oh, yeah, it's scrambling our signature. And I hacked in the computer, Zero says. And we got a job to. Then Mando has to hack into the the door or whatever, pick the lock, uh, which everyone does. Uh, but everyone's making eyes while he's doing it. Uh, they're also a little bit jumpy. And then Mayfeld has to go first. After you, we see some Daleks. Uh, so it's very, this it did have a Doctor Who feel to this episode a couple times. Uh, and then the nod kind of with the Dalek type robots. I did wonder about the handheld communicators that are still like the lip balm things. Uh, but, you know, what are you going to do? They say, get us a control room zero, uh, sub level three. Oh, then Mando looks after Oso, then jumps down. Uh, then he says, I know the drill, bio trackers, uh, Ron, uh, you know, watch out for the droids. Uh, so they start moving. We see uh, Zero's watching them. They start going down these hallways. All are kind of these white hallways. We see some forest friends uh, that are all uh, like it's a ship's like a little bit like a hostel. Everybody's uh, sleeping there uh, in their bunks from all different worlds. Also, somebody says, I don't like this, which reminded me of a paranoid android. Or maybe, oh, yeah. Oh, no. Someone, oh, they call, they say, oh, geez, are you paranoid, um, Mando? Uh, left at the next juncture. And they see one of those little rolling bots. Uh, and Berg doesn't like it. He says, oh, little puppy. And, of course, he chases after it, which sets off, sends the droids in to check on them. Uh, there's a showdown, and Mando's not there. And he slides up behind them. Uh, like, he does, like, it's a, like a little bit like, a, there's, like, a, interesting, because I didn't point this out earlier, but everybody's on ice skates. I forgot that part. And so now there's like ice skating and everybody's trying to skate. It's like a, like a combination of hockey and uh, figure skating. And Mando comes up behind and does like three triple sow cows uh, and a Lutz, a triple Lutz, and it's over. Uh, everybody's impressed. Uh, uh, but they, they're impressed, but then they're not. They try to act like they're not, and they walk away. They say, oh, clean up your mess. They don't treat them with any respect. Uh, but again, we get a, a hint of uh, Mando's capabilities. Uh, and then Zero goes, okay, you've been detected. Uh, also, I think I see an order gigantic signature somewhere. or Something comes up. Uh, then there's a standoff. Uh, Oh, where they have the organic signature, which is like a like a person, because they thought they're only going to be figure skating with droids, and they realized that this is. They thought maybe it'd be like it's a human judge, so they try to say, "Well, geez, if you're going to be judging these rest of our figure skating, you can't." They say, "Are you sure you're not?" And they say, "Well, I'm representing the droids. I'm at like a, just like in the height of the Cold War." with figure skating they say well how are you a judge if you're on the side of the droids you're supposed to be judging fairly 
And this judge uh, just says, no, 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 I'm for uh, Republic droids, period. Uh, so this is a bit, and they say, you know what, I'm going to call in uh, the IOC or whatever. So he hits an alarm. They say, easy, egghead, nice shoes. Mando tries to take over as the judge. This is, well, let's not tick off the judge. Because uh, this was before they dropped the top and the lowest score. He says, what's your name? Da- da- Davin or something. Davin. Uh, meanwhile, they find out where the person they're trying to catch, get out is. Uh, why don't you both be quiet? There's blinking. Zero to Mayfeld. You got 20 minutes. Uh, they say, fine, we only need five. Uh, we see Mando run uh, on, on skates, which was interesting. Uh, uh, Berg tosses the Daleks. He does like this Dalek uh, hammer throw. Uh, then they open up. They get the guy they're rescuing. Quinn, I think is his name. And he goes, geez, here he is, the man who left me behind. Uh my one-time tr- skate, skating training partner uh, left me behind, you know, at this, you know, in 96 Olympics or something. I mean, this is in another world, so I'm just kind of translating. And they say, Mando, you're going to have to stay. You get a timeout. Uh, you have to stay in this uh, skating thinking room. Uh, like, uh, we're going to go get flowers and teddy bears tossed to us. Uh, and get out of here and deliver the uh, quarry. So then they call Zero because they're like, how do we even get out of here? Uh, and he says, oh, I'll get you out of here. Don't worry. Uh, uh, just follow my uh, directions. He goes, by the way, I found some info on the Mandalorian's ship. Uh, and they go, who cares right now? And the thing was for the Mandalorian, he's put in one of those things like a, like a penalty box, I guess, is it like, like exactly what he's in. They just call it something different. He needs to use, he actually uses actual elbow grease uh, to get out. Uh, then Zero notices this. We see Zero at the controls. Uh, and then Mando goes into the control room, like where the judges watch, because they don't watch. They watch all of these video screens. Uh, and he starts pressing buttons, like shutting down, releasing Zambonis. Uh, all that stuff, they say, Zero says, Jeez, you have a potential problem. Uh, he goes, uh, then Mando shuts, it turns out the like uh, fluorescent lights, turns on these red lights, uh, which make things way more moody, uh, kind of like a night vision mode, uh, which is cool. Uh, then, uh, so Mando's like kind of split up all, so the team has to split up, uh, while Mando just kind of watches, uh, and they say, zero, do you copy? And then he's like, I can't seem, uh, to get a hold of you. Let's see. They, here's where they're splitting up the, the, the red blader on. Say, come on, come on, let's go. Mando's watching, shutting doors, splitting up Zambonis, uh, and they say, yeah, yeah, you go that way, we'll go this way. That's when Zero says, let's see what Zero's going to say. Zero says, yeah, do you copy? Uh, I can't get a hold of you. Uh, weird, let me press some buttons here. 
comms are no far longer functioning. You can't hear me, obviously. Uh, you're on your own. Uh, then we hear Oso and Zero sees Oso and says, huh, curious. Uh, then they back on the ship, they say, fine, Mando. Then we go back to Zero and Oso making contact. They decide to play hide-and-seek on the ship. Uh, and I think he says, do you have a name? Uh, Mayfeld calls. He, oh, no. Oh, no. That's the dude. This kind of guy reminded me a little bit of, like, that he could have been played by David Bowie, this uh, other character that they rescued. Uh, he goes, oh, do you have a name? Mayfeld says, yeah. That's a, he's actually, like, from a fam, rich family. Cause he says, do you even have a name? He goes, Mayfeld. He goes, well, you're going to get me off the ship, Mayfeld. He goes, what about your sister? Is, 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 is she on is his sister? He goes, I don't go, just get me off the ship, man. I don't really care about that stuff. Uh, Mando's still watching. He thinks about the beacon that called in the uh, IOC, uh, Red Halls. Uh, they talk about Mando disliking the droid. Mayfeld keep call, keeps calling zero because I'm ZZZ. Yeah, yeah, let's see. So he picks up the beacon. Says, huh, I don't need no IOC coming here to reevaluate everything. And we got the hallways, Mayfeld and the, um, the Bowie-esque dude. I don't know why. I said, huh, reminds me of David Bowie. Not exactly sure why. Yeah, yeah Mayfeld's calling ZZ. Can't get a hold of anything. He's frustrated. The guy goes, hey, hey, whatever Rand promised, I'll give you triple. Uh, just get me out of here, buddy. Oh, you know, he says, yeah, I'm going to get out of here. You go get uh, Mando. Uh, see, uh, Quinn is his name. I forgot. I forgot how. I don't know. I forgot that. Uh, so he sends Mayfeld off after Mando. Then we have this really cool sequence. Uh, everybody looking for Mando. Uh, there's great music, uh, and also, uh, the, like, Zero, Zero and Oso are playing hide-and-seek. Uh, but Oso says, I don't know if Zero's gonna play fair. Uh, then we have the, the, um, Ran, this was like a Bond, like a, a brief, like it was a sequence from a Bond movie, I felt like, in a good way. Because uh, he's uh, Duran says, well, I'm going to play the hockey version of this figure skating hockey game and not the figure skating version. And so he uses a lot of hockey moves on Mando, who's not quite ready for it. Uh, and also Mando uses these all these James Bond-esque gadgets, uh, which don't work. Uh, and also he uh, Ran is in, interested in seeing, or not Ran, Berg is interested in seeing Mando's face. Uh, but then he sees, they, they do like a thing where he, Mando says, look through door number one. And then he says, look through door number two. And uh, Mando gets away. Uh, then Shihan uh, uh, was looking for Mando. We see Zero looking for Oso. Uh, we get the idea that I think Mando outskated uh, Shihan. Uh, then Mayfeld, there's like this 80s type music uh, playing that goes to an industrial type music. Really, really good again in these moments. 
And Mando goes in like, uh, I don't know what, I, I mean, I don't know. Like he has like, like it reminds me of like a Rudy Galindo moment because like, uh, there's like strobe lighting and it's just an overpowering moment, uh, where he skates on where Mayfeld can't even get his bearings because of the strobe lighting and the music and stuff. And, uh, so he can't, he, he's like, so jumpy, uh, then zero, uh, also has a new hiding spot Zero's trying to find it. Quinn is, uh, waiting. He's about to get on the ship and the Mando's there. He goes, yeah, I out, I outskated everybody. They got what they deserved. Uh, then I think Quinn, maybe, I don't know, understand the money situation, uh, but, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know why. Cause I put a money symbol. Cause you think basically Quinn says, I'll pay you to bring me back anyway. Uh, all the money Ram promised and more be reasonable. You were hired to do a job. Isn't that your code? You're a man of honor. Like, uh, let's put the skating aside. Uh, and we see zero. Uh, it's about to find Oso, and then Oso's about to do the magic hands, but then uh, Mando appears and says, uh, oh, no, 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 you're staying in the, uh, on the um, ice skating ship without everybody. And Oso goes, oh, Papa, hello, oh, Papa. And then they're out, they go back to the space station. Uh, we see the radar. Uh, they land. Uh, uh, Mando, Razorcrest. First, we just see Ran. He's all smiles. I guess he didn't know what to expect. Uh, then he sees the door open. He laughs because uh, he's like uh, he's thinking that Mando didn't come back. You know, he thinks that uh, it's just going to be Quinn and his crew. And I think let's see who gets off first again. There's where Oso, I'm watching Oso says, oh, Papa, hello, Papa. Uh, coos or whatever. Googly, googly, goo. That's what, that's what Oso says a lot of times. Uh, Razor Crest takes off. I guess it, like, uh, the, the way the beacon works for the IOC is different for everybody. Uh, so then they go, you know, they see the Razor Crest jump, and now it's going into the space station. Mando's pushing buttons, uh, checking his radar. Rand's looking. It lands. He's uh, standing there. And he's pretty pleased. He says, okay, well, uh, oh, and then we see Mando and Quinn. He goes, huh. Oh, boy. It didn't calculate this one. Quinn doesn't look, he looks happy to be free, but, uh, they laugh. Uh, they have a big hug. Where's everybody else? Uh, everything went fine, Mando? Where's all the others? Uh, he goes, no questions asked. That's the policy. He goes, yeah, here's, that's the policy. Mando goes, pay it up, sucker. So Quinn reaches in, throws him some stacks. Mando says, just like the good old days, uh, and he goes, I'm out, all right, uh, they look after him, uh, and then they frown as soon as he turns his back, uh, they, you know, they don't like Mando, really, 
closes the door. Quinn's making a, he's, Quinn's got a muscle shirt on and he has muscles to back it up. Mando's taken off. Uh, Ran waves at him and he kind of reverses out of the ship. Uh, and they say, all right, let's take Mando and make him go bye-bye. We're going to, uh, high, high OC doping convention type thing. Uh, but we quickly realize, you know, that, uh, this won't happen. Uh, Mando's too smooth for that. Uh, we hear a little beeping. And they say, wait a second, what's that beeping noise? Uh, Quinn, Mando planted it on Quinn. He says, what's this thing? He goes, that's the IOC button, man. That's it. We're toast. Oh, dear. Not good. And then we see three X-Wings jump in. Somehow they miss Mando. Mando takes off, uh, and the, the, the three pilots say, okay, we got a link on the beacon. Probably trouble. Oh, looks like they're launching some sort of ship. Uh, let's just take them all and, uh, uh, you know, by, say go bye-bye. And so that's the end of them. Uh, they, you know, they're like uh, Mando 1. Uh, J-U-R-K-S is a zero. And the Mando jumps uh, the ship uh, into space, going through hyperspace. Uh, Ken is tired. We see Baby Oso. He gives Baby Oso his ball to play with. Uh, he goes, here, buddy, play with the ball. That was a bad idea, but I guess we got paid. And but growl, growl. Something. I don't know what that is. Uh, oh, there it is. Uh, it's uh, the three of them. Mayfeld, we get a little post uh, thing of Mayfeld, Sean, and Berg. Uh, and they're in the penalty box. Uh, he growls, growls. Uh, it's like they all have headaches. That's what it was. They're all holding their heads. At least uh, Mayfeld and Berg are. And then we have the wrap. I counted 12 paintings, uh, but, it, you know, I've probably been wrong on it every time I've counted. Uh, but with that, the episode comes to a close. So let's see what came up on this episode I wrote about here or researched. Uh, slot machine was the first thing. So let's go to Wikipedia and look up slot machine. Uh, slot machine known as a fruit machine, a puggy. Uh, the slots, poker pokies, uh, or simply slot is a good casino machine game of chance. Uh, also known by their uh, ma- large mechanical levers attached to the side of early mechanical machines. Uh, it has three, usually has three or more reels that spin when the game is activated. Uh, some still use uh, the lever, but more as a design trait, uh, uh, because now they've been superseded by random number generators, uh, and are operated with push buttons or touch screens. Uh, they usually include uh, some way to do validate payment, coin, cash, voucher, token. Uh, but yeah, let's look at the history. The first one was developed in, by uh, Stipman and Pitt in Brooklyn, 1891. It uh, had uh, five drums with a total of 50 uh, card faces based on poker. 
It was popular. Many bars in the city had them. They were a nickel. And they'd be hoping for a good, there was no direct payment, payment mechanism, but uh, a pair of kings might get a free beer. Uh, Royal Flush would pay out cigars or drinks. Uh, no, so it's interesting. It was kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't know what you call it, but uh, do the vast number of possible wins. Uh, it proved uh, practically impossible to come up with a way to make the machine capable of making an automatic payment for all combinations. But somewhere between 1887 and 1895, Charles Fay of San Francisco devised a simpler automatic mechanism uh, with three reels and five symbols, horseshoes, diamonds, spades, hearts, and the Liberty Bell. The bell gave the machine its name. Uh, three reels instead of five drums. The complexity was reduced uh, and allowed Fay to devise an automatic payment me- payout mechanism. Uh, three bells in a row would pay ten nickels, uh, and it was a huge success, Liberty Bell. And it went on from there, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, until uh, entire industries. And uh, so there's a lot more about it, uh, the article on Wikipedia. And what about uh, the it crowd? Holy cow, we got a little bit of uh, and a taste of it uh, here through Zero, uh, which if I don't know if you've seen it. It's a British sitcom uh, broadcast by Channel 4. Uh, it's set in uh, uh, a fictional office uh, and it revolves around the members of the IT staff, uh, Maurice, uh, Roy, and Jen. And kind of uh, how, uh, I guess you don't want to ruin the show too much, uh, but uh, you, you, got, you kind of got to see it. Uh, it premiered all the way back in 2006. Uh, and it ran for four series of six episodes each. Each uh, The sixth was commissioned but not produced. Uh, there was a special in 2013. Uh, what else do you mean? I mean, it's kind of a show you should see. I don't know where. I'm sure you could screen, uh, uh, what do you call it, stream it somewhere. Uh, it was internationally syndicated on ABC in Australia, UK TV. Uh, GTV, Comedy Central in Germany, in Poland, uh, uh, HBO in Czech Republic. Uh, so, yeah, and the uh, IFC, it's also on Netflix, Tubi TV, and Hulu, it says here. And while fifth season was uh, created or uh, commissioned in 2011, uh, and they did start pre-production. Uh, they were going to do it as a goodbye, but uh, I don't know if it, I guess it just didn't work out. Uh, could just couldn't make it work with the schedules of people's uh, work schedules and stuff like that. Uh, but it's definitely a show you should check out. I mean, delightful, delightful little performances and stuff. Also, You Wear It Well was said in this episode. Uh, about uh, the Beskar Armor, which is a Rod Stewart song uh, written by Rod Stewart and Martin uh, Quittenton. Uh, kind of sounds very similar to Maggie May. It was uh, came on 72, Never a Dull Moment. Uh, international hit, 
number one on the UK singles chart. In the US, it hit 13. Uh, Stuart performed it on top of the pops uh, with the full lineup of faces. Uh, and uh, also a 2013 performance. Uh, not much more about it. Uh, but uh, just I don't know. When I Googled You Wear It Well, that was the first thing that came up. Uh, another show that came up was uh, or they, like uh, I've talked about on the podcast before is The Prisoner, which is a 1967 British uh, science fiction TV series, uh, which is very out there, very uh, 60s, 70s TV, British TV. It has a little bit of spy, a little bit of science fiction. And it's very different. Uh, it was a single season of 17 episodes, uh, 1966 and 1968. Uh, let's see. It was first broadcast in Canada, then the UK, then in the U.S. Uh, uh, what else we got here? It kind of had that 60s countercultural feel, sur- surrealistic uh, fantasy. I guess it was a remake on AMC in 2009. And I'm trying to think of what we could talk about. Like, it, it follows this uh, uh, unnamed person who uh, uh, suddenly finds himself in uh, a mysterious village uh, in the mountains. Uh, and uh, he meets people, starts to walk around. No, everyone has names and not numbers. Uh, but it's like obviously he he's he gets number six, uh, the main character. And obviously there's a number one he that does it like, and then there's number two who he's in contact with, uh, trying to figure stuff out. And I don't know, it's a show you definitely should check out because it's very different. Uh, and I'm not sure, I'm sure it's available somewhere. I thought about doing it for the podcast, but it's just not as why. I don't know if uh, maybe one day or maybe as a bonus or something. Uh, uh, oh, home media. Oh, there was a, uh, there was a book, uh, there was comics, there was DVDs, uh, and I'm sure it's like, uh, yeah, that 40 DVD box set, Blu-ray. So definitely some, another thing you could check out. Uh, what about Paranoid Android? Uh, that's a song uh, from OK Computer from uh, Radiohead, 1997. It was written, it's uh, six minutes long, four sections. It's uh, named after Marvin, the Paranoid Android from Hitchhiker's Guide. Uh, it made it to number three on the UK singles chart. Uh, it's re- regularly considered one of their great songs. Uh, uh, the first version was 14 minutes long, very uh, Pink Floyd-esque, I guess. It says here on Wikipedia, it kind of got deep purpley. And they did put it out on uh, one of their compilations. Uh, but then they shortened it down. Uh, it replaced a big organ solo with a guitar solo. I guess it was recorded uh, uh, near Bath, uh, Bath. Uh, it's kind of has parts from three different songs, uh, a little bit of Beatles, a little bit of Pixies, and a little bit of the uh, Queen. Uh, let's see, because uh, Paranoid Android is described as alternative rock or art rock or progressive rock. Uh, 
G minor, 84 beats per minute. Uh, release and reception, music video, uh, packaging. I'm just trying to read through anything. Cover versions. Uh, a lot of cover versions on here. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. You link to it. Uh, you read more about it here. What about? Uh, don't forget about Clancy Brown, the great actor. One of the great actors. Plays a lot of non-good guys. Uh, even though he seems like a good guy, uh, he's been in the movie. Uh, uh, let's see, he's been in the Highlander, Shawshank, Carnival. Uh, he's in the most recent Thor movie, Earth Two. Yeah, he's been on every, almost everything. ER, uh, The Riches, The Deep End, Leverage, Dukes of Hazard, The Flash. Uh, Daredevil uh, does a ton of voiceover. Holy cow! In Marvel and DC. Oh, he's in Buckaroo Bonsai. Let's see what else he was in here. Uh, Blue Steel, uh, Starship. Uh, wow. Well, uh, let's see what else we got here. Cowboys and Aliens. Uh, what else do we get? Hail Caesar. And then television. He's been on TV since 1983. I'm pretty sure, wasn't he in Lost? Yeah, 2006. He was like a classic character briefly on Lost. I remember them talking about it on the Lost podcast, how much they wanted to work with him. Uh, oh, Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid TV show, though. Hercules, the TV show. So, I don't know, just another nice thing, Clancy Brown. And, you know, let's finish up with elbow grease. Uh, elbow grease is an idiom, according to Wikipedia, for working hard. Uh, figure of speech uh, in, in, humorously indicating nothing but hard work is needed. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't know. I just, like, thought, thought it was interesting because that's how the Mandalorian gets out. It's actual using the elbow grease from a droid. Uh, so that's the end of the episode discussion. I'm just going to turn it over here really quick uh, uh, to uh, uh, to Wendy Marshtrap. Oh, thanks, Scooter. Hey, this is Wendy Marshtrap here with your uh, few minutes in uh, visiting Star Wars Galaxies. I wanted to tell you, if you can, um, in, don't worry, I'm here with Dewey, Dewey, my do-back, and... Uh, Wanted to tell you if you, if you're ever in the area, visit Sorgan. That's S O R G A N. Sorgan. It's a beautifully uh, remote planet. Forests. If you if you if you like uh, your your uh, if you you know I know that people listening, they they may have interests uh, like walking in the woods. You could do that in Sorgan. Uh, if you like swimming, oh boy, Sorgan is like a land of lakes, lakes and ponds and rivers everywhere. Very, very uh, lush but temperate. If you're a fan of, uh, uh, now I know everybody, particularly Scooter, doesn't eat shellfish, but if you do enjoy krill, uh, which is a bit like shrimp, I may be, uh, but I don't know, but uh, you'll love Sorgan. And then also, oh, so many villages with handcrafted goods. And then, of course, Sorgan is best known 
for for its liquors. Uh, it's the home of uh, many glowing li- liquors, uh, uh, which people really, really like to drink. Uh, so you could come there. If you wanted to have a drink that glows, uh, come to Sorgan. Sorgan, the home of drinks that glow. This is uh, Wendy Marstrap and Dewey the Dewback uh, saying, visit Sorgan for the forests, for the people, and for the glowing drinks. Uh, Good nights.